hello, everybody. This is David opposing the Matrix, and I'm joined by Eric and Jim Wilhelmson. Eric, actually, Eric's last name is Smith. <laughs> um, Jim's is Wilhelmson. So sorry, guys. Didn't want to create any confusion. Um, okay. So we, we're going to do a show tonight, uh, again, based on Amos 3.7. But uh, the name of the show is calling Digging Gold Out of, or Getting Gold Out of the Dirt. And uh, we'll explain to you in a little while what that means. But uh, there's been some interesting things going on. Um, I uh, happened to look at a picture the other day that somebody snapped of Oprah Winfrey, and uh, she had a little box on her ankle trying to cover it up with her um, whatever she was wearing. You know, I don't know what women call those things. Anymore. I call them pants, but, you know, women have a fancy name for everything that they wear. <laughs> so... Um, but anyway, you could tell that there was clearly something square underneath on her ankle. And, uh, so my, my assumption of that is that they're, um, they're starting to call these people in and telling them not to leave town. And, um, I think that's quite interesting because, uh, if they're not, if they're told not to leave town, then, um, it means that they're under arrest, but, or house arrest maybe. But, uh, in that regard, um, does it seem to you guys that, that things are starting to accelerate? Um, and we can talk about the planes and everything, too. Um, but does it seem like things are starting to accelerate and uh, that things are starting to come into fruition? Well, it would make sense to me um, if you're going to restrict, you know, flight patterns and quarantine people and you want to make your mass arrests or house arrests or whatever, you know, this would be the opportunity to do it, you know. Right. They can't right. escape, you know, across the border or get on a on a plane and try to fly out of the country or hightail it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But if you restrict everything, it makes that mass arrest much easier. So yeah, I never thought about that. It just, you know, when you said that, kind of hit me. You know, if you can't get on a plane and fly to to uh, Brazil, you know, and uh, and stuff like that, then uh, yeah, it, it makes sense. So I know that was probably something that a lot of people understood, you know, before you mentioned it. But um, for some reason, I didn't I didn't make that one click. So thanks, Eric. Um, no problem. Yeah. But uh, so uh, I was watching a clip uh, today and it had. Um, oh, uh, it had Trump and somebody had asked him a question and uh, and he was talking about, uh, oh, who was the general? That got arrested, but just got exonerated. Flynn, that's it. Yeah, Flynn. Um, and he was talking about Flynn, how Flynn had been railroaded, how he had a very good reputation. He worked his way up honestly and everything. And then they railroaded him. Um, so, uh, you know, he was he was talking about that. And then he started talking about the, uh, he says, you know, I have nothing, no qualms with the FBI. He said, there's a lot of, he said, there's a lot of good people working for the FBI. But it was the people at the top that were creating problems. And he goes, those, he said those were, he said those are the scum of the FBI. He says, and I'm going to get rid of the scum. He says, you just watch. I'm going to do something about the scum. <laughs> so I'm like, well, like, that's pretty awesome, actually. But um, anyway, I apologize for the for the dog. It's uh, we leave the window open so that she could look outside, and we live next to a store. So um, actually, I can't. I can't hear it, uh, Dave. So yeah, I never right. heard it either. I didn't hear it either. Oh, good, good. Hallelujah. <laughs> but 
But uh, mm-hmm. Jim, we were, you know, I, I, I bounced off of you, and I think I might have bounced off of you too, Eric. Uh, there was some reports that um, a lot of people have been noticing uh, plane flights, like almost like convoys of planes flying around. Uh, one person said he counted 15 of them, and these are big planes too. So, uh, you know, right away, you're, you know, your your mind starts to work, and you're like, oh, you know, are they full of traders that are on their way to Guantanamo, or are they full of soldiers? Um, also, um, I heard that uh, they're starting to uh, move some soldiers down. Well, this is probably old news down to the uh, L.A. area. And um, <clears throat> there was one place in the country where they were, um, I think it might have been Washington, where they're mobilizing the National Guard and the Marines. Yeah, Washington. Yeah. Yep. I heard that. Okay, good. So uh, somebody, somebody else heard it, too. So, um, so you know, it seems like. And I don't know. I got mixed feelings. You know, I know that this virus is real because people are dying. Okay. But I got to wonder if it's being used as a false flag event um, in order to, like, like Eric was just, you know, saying that, you know, uh, you can't fly out of the country. <clears throat> but is it a false flag event to, to where you can, can start rounding people up, um, you know, the deep state, that is? See, I, I don't think it is, Dave. I think no. it. I think it's a real. Well, I think it's real in a sense of, you know, if if it's true about Trump in terms of doing all this team ahead of time, um, you know, seeing a step ahead or whatever, it's possible. You know, he saw you know the virus uh-huh. and was to, going to use that as the yep. as the. Uh, the point to actually go in and arrest people. So I think the attack is is from the enemy in terms of the virus, but him going underneath, the, you know, during this time of everything locked down, um, that's because he can see ahead of time as right. to what's actually going on. So right. So what do you guys think about this Bill Gates thing? You know about him wanting? Um, I don't know. Again, we're, we're we got to dig the dirt out of or the gold out of the dirt. But well, um, he sure he sure been on TV a lot lately, so yeah. it must mean he's guilty. I'll tell you, Chris Wallace is trying to make him look like an American hero. Yeah, that blows my mind. You want to get mad at somebody? Don't get mad at uh, Christian Whitmer. <clears throat> Whitmer, get mad at um, at Chris. Uh, oh, Wallace, Chris Wallace. Right. That guy. That guy's just a snake from hell, man. He is. I can't believe you know he's trying to promote. And make it look like Bill Gates is a hero. Oh my gosh! Did you hear? I got, I got a stupid ad. It it came out across like it was going to be a, a, just a conservative news service thing. I get a bunch of them, and I got one of them. And it had about Elon Musk has got no, some new product out. Uh, where is it? I got it. Okay, where are you? I got in my email. Here was a stupid advertisement. It wasn't even a news article. <laughs> um, he's got some new. Is that it? No, it's not it. Well, he's. Uh, let's see. What does he own? <clears throat> what does he yeah, own or control? He owns a lot of different things. Um, well, he he pretty much controls. He owns the patent on the uh, coronavirus. Yeah. But he owns, he owns a big company, on too. Um, and I can't remember the name of the company. It saved my life. 
could this be? I don't you got any ideas, Eric? What does Elon Musk own? <laughs> well, he owns he, he, is it Amazon? he has those Tesla 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 cars. Oh, Elon! Oh, Elon right. I, I meant I said the wrong name. Doug Gunner. I mean Bill Gates. Oh, okay. Chris Wallace is trying to make Bill Gates look like you know the American well, Bill hero. Gates actually was used to be the he was the founder of Microsoft. Right. Um, right. He's, I don't think he technically is now, um, but um, he does mostly, you know, charity work to vaccinate and kill uh, sure, third humans. world nations and yeah. us. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's got a new product out. Awesome. Wonderful. Boy, they got all these people that get, you know, um, you know, commenting about how they instantly, as soon as they took it, almost within minutes, their mind was real clear and they um, it increased their IQ. This is what this thing does. This increases your IQ. It's like um, it's called brain food or brain something or other. It's like okay, yeah, I want, I want somebody to reconstruct and rearrange my brain on a DNA level by Elon Musk. Yeah. Want to buy his product, brain control? Um, and they're appealing to people's vanity. It's like increase your, you know, the thing is here. They're talking about increasing your um, your perception, your awareness, using your brain, having clearer thoughts, no more loss of uh, short-term memory, uh, recognition, reading, recalling everything. It increases your IQ. Um, it's like, well, first off, I don't really need my IQ increase. I don't care. But the last thing I want to do is have Bill uh, Gates screwing with my head. Right. Um you know, it's like, yeah, let me stand in line. But I mean, some of the, one of the people uh, was it Bill Riley? Somebody like that was given a testimony too. It's like, Bill, um, I think you got mud. I got mud in your eyes, dude. I mean, why would you want to have anything from him in your brain? Yeah, well, Bill O'Reilly's always just, been a, an egotist, an egomaniac, actually. You know, I never really cared for the man that much. Maybe, maybe that's maybe maybe that's why he wants to uh, increase his IQ. Yeah, could be. <laughs> but the main thing is when you when we got Monsanto, we got the chem sprays, we got everything else attacking our uh, short-term memory loss. Of course, you know this is a time when we need to be the sharpest to fight uh, the enemy because we're at the last of last days. And so here we have uh, somebody comes by and says, "Hey, there's the problem, and I got the cure." You know, and Right. And so it's pretty much, you know, I take it the way Eric was saying it, that Trump, uh, Trump knows what's wrong. He knows what was designed originally. I mean, this was originally designed where people would be lining up out of total fear for their vaccination from Bill Gates. That didn't work. They failed. They totally failed. Mm -hmm. What what gets me. So he knows he's got to take take all these people out. He wants to do it in the least resistance way. So, yeah, he's doing everything in such a complex way. I think it was Mark, uh, not Mark Taylor, it was, uh, oh, come on. Um, uh, yeah, Ken. Um, Kim Clement. Kim, Kim Clement that said that he would be faced with a crisis. And during that crisis, he would have an answer that was so elaborate, so intertwined that only God could uh, have figured something like that out. Well, that's what we're seeing right now. That's what this coronavirus thing is all about. It was designed to literally probably inoculate and kill most Americans, making us 
um, the biggest reduction of, of um, our country and mostly like the millennials call it the boomer kill uh, doomers. Right. Um, and it didn't work. Nope. It didn't work. It won't work. And it didn't happen. And this is what not losing common sense. We already am. But you don't know that if you haven't seen what God's plan is. How many people, you know, I've been asking people this recently because been sending me all kinds of stuff. And I'm saying, do you know God's plan? Well, what do you mean? What is God's plan? He's got a specific plan. He's spoken to his people, the prophets. Have you listened to them in detail to find out what they're telling you his plan is? Uh-huh. If you don't know his plan, this stuff is going to give you an uncertain future. And it's already it's already planned out. Mm-hmm. Well, no. And then they give me their ideas and everything. I said, no, that's not his plan. Right. And I said, well, why are you letting, if that's his plan, why are you letting this upset you? Right. I said, here's just common sense logic. We're studying the effects of people that lose. They don't win. They're losers. So here's their plot and their plan. Why are you concerned about it? They're not going to get away with it. They're right. not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, if you really think we're at the end of the end times, and that means somewhere around here close, we have 30 years, we have 10 years. You ought to start thinking of in terms of we got seven years left. Three and a half could be really good. Three and a half, not so good. Why do I say that? Well, because it says that there's 144,000 that are going to be able to make war with the beast and overcome the beast. Mm-hmm. That's the first half of the tribulation. So who are the people on 44,000? We've been through that on a different radio show. You know, a 14th century theologian got it down pat way back in his time. It's not a bunch of virgin male Jews um, that suddenly are down with all this power and wisdom. These are people that have been selected from the time they were born. Um, Amos says that, that God had scattered the 10 tribes of Israel all throughout the world so that all the world would be filled with Israel. That Well, that's what it says that he would scatter his seed throughout the whole world. Well, we know that that's from the dysphoria, the dispersion. When the 10 northern tribes were taken into captivity and they returned to Israel, they, they went out through the whole world. We've got the museum in the Tel Aviv, uh, uh, the dysphoria that has cultural traits that's shown how Hebraic influences on every continent, every color, every nation, every everywhere. And uh, pretty much proves that is there. It's still about bloodlines. God has his, Satan has his. So God's bloodline has been permeated through every man, woman, nationality, ethnicity, continent, everything, culture. So who is the 144,000? It's not a bunch of male Jews. The, the theologian, Matthew Henry, 14th century, he said, look, um, the word used for male and virgin, virgin means to be contaminated. He says, you know, a rabbi had to be married. You couldn't be, you know, and there was no prerequisite that, that because you got married, now you're contaminated and therefore can't, you know, can't be in ministry. <clears throat> he says it's the opposite. The contamination there, he says the woman is the harlot church. It's the, the false belief system that keeps people blind from the truth. He said, these people are ones that are willing to follow the lamb wherever he goes. Well, where is he going? Well, you know what? 
there's a very small amount of people. Now, I get this from several different prophetic ministries. The the one ministry that was prophesying about Detroit being the end time final great revival, um, the Zion Singers, were at an, uh, like a black caucus type uh, grouping of, of uh, black churches in the inner city of Detroit at the worst time in, you know, 2011 when, you know, they were called the murder capital of the world and everything just seemed really bad. And they were having a kind of a think tank get together, prayer, praise, you know, seeking the Lord for direction. And these singers came from Troy, Michigan, which is all, all white suburban, you know, kind of thing. And they have a singing ministry, something like Kim Clements. So they were singing about this generation. They were singing about um, that God was going to call people that uh, he would put his mark and his seal upon them. They would be people um, that even though right now they're in gangs, even though right now they're not serving the Lord, he says, I'm not worried about it. I put my mark on them. I put my seal on them and they will go forth and they will proclaim the Lord uh, boldly. Um, I've called it into existence. Um, this is going to be the reality. So I'm not worried about where they're at right now. So everything in the way they were saying it was like, did you hear what they just called these people? He had a seal and a mark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who, who is that? That's 144,000. Mm-hmm. So some of them, not that all of them are here in Detroit, Michigan, but there's a gathering and many of them are right here where the revival begins in Detroit, Michigan. So I thought that was rather interesting. But the thing is that it's describing what's going on now in that all these people, I, I just talked to a person, he had a dream. He says, I don't understand this. He says, you know, I've wondered, you told me about the your thing, and I went to my to your site and read the hard 144,000 articles. He says, I find it hard to believe, but he said, I had to dream the other night, and somehow, he said, I don't understand it, but somehow I was, I was in Trump's home, and I was getting ready to work for him. I knew his kids, we were playing around and, and goofing around and everything, and or grandkids or somebody, but it was like I was there as part of a family. It was like no big thing. I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I'm working for Trump. It was almost like this was just a natural, normal thing, and I was getting ready to go out and do something for him. I was working for him, and I laughed, and I said, all right. I said, well, what do you think of the dream? He says, well, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you, and I said, well, you felt like you were working for him. You weren't all enamored that, wow, I'm working for Trump. I mean, it just seemed like a very normal, natural thing, right? And I said, and guess what? Because if you're one of the 144,000, you're going to be working for Trump someday. You're probably going to be in his home. You're probably going to be ready to get sent out because you're going to work for him because he's going to be given an opportunity to make America great again. But those that are sealed and have a mark are going forth. You're one of the 144,000. You're going to go. I said, here's the chain of command. This is how this all comes down. I said, and I don't know how it comes down. But it comes down because I know God's plan. There's going to be a reset. This reset is readjusting everything that's gone haywire. So the way it comes down to, and like I said, I don't know the events, but somehow the world's going to end up with the United States trying to compel the rest of the world, and this is where the revival comes in, to honor and respect as a nation the precepts and moral concepts and values of of the Lord in the Bible so that they can get the blessings as described in is um Isaiah um Deuteronomy twenty eighth chapter, sorry. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now, if they don't, I said, then it becomes a problem. I said, but who do you suppose is going to go out and tell these nations that? You are. The 144,000 are going to be sent out to all the nations in the world to give them an ultimatum. Accept these precepts, accept these moral values, and God will bless you as a nation for blessing his values. We're not Muslims. We're going to try to make everybody has to be a Christian. We'll accept everybody and anybody. But as a nation, we have to make our laws and everything reflect and honor what God's morals are and change our morals to his conformity. Then we get blessed as a nation. But everybody's got freedom to to be whoever or whatever they want to be. So I said, you guys are going to be traveling to a whole lot of countries, doing a whole lot of um, uh, compelling people to come to these terms. Now, if they choose not to, I said, there's a chain of command here. I said, you have two witnesses. They're the first fruits. So they're taking out also. I mean, it's a good thing, you know. Whatever they're they're the ones that are like two generals. They're going to set the course and set the precedence and the example for the 144,000 to follow. The 144,000 then is going to be the example for the entire body of Christ throughout the entire world to follow. So there's two 144,000 the rest of the world. So 144,000 go out to all the nations and give them an ultimatum. If they don't accept the ultimatum, guess what happens? Then they get to meet the two prophets. And what do they do? I said, here we, we go into, is it going to be Tim, what two Tim LaHaye is saying is going to happen? Or is it going to be what the Bible actually says about these two prophets? And I said, because the description Tim LaHaye Left Behind series has, people are going to look for two guys, two guys dressed like Gandalf in Old Testament garb. In sandals, wearing a, um, you know, having a, a staff with some kind of crystal in it that electricity comes out of, and and uh, then fire comes out of their mouths and consumes their enemy. I said, fires, really. So what are they getting? They're getting uh, transgenetic stuff from a bombardier beetle. So they got two sacks, and the gases come together at the right place, so they burn everybody up. I said, that's, that is so silly. It's ridiculous. I don't know how anybody could ever have accepted that as being Christian doctrine. That's science fiction fantasy. That's just weird. I said, you look back to the Greek word for, um, for fire. It's pur. Pur means literally a fire, but it also means as a refiner's fire, something that, that refines, something that reproves. What is the word of God described as? A fi- refiner's fire. These are two people that have answers to everything and anything against all the crazy lies that are going on. Where where are the 145,000? They're, they're willing to go wherever the Lord uh, takes them. Where is the Lord taking a very small group of people to something so bizarre the rest of the world, the body of Christ, doesn't even want to hear about it, doesn't want to know about it? The Genesis 6 paradigm. The fact that there's a coming outer space cosmic Christ coming. This is all part of the end time deception. Nobody wants to hear it. But guess what? Those people out there have always wondered that. I've been dealing with these people for 24 years. All of them that claim, uh, that understand the whole Genesis 6 paradigm. 
all of them continually wonder, why do I know this? What good is it going to do me? I've sensed this all my life. I've sensed that I've, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go on a rapture. I sense that I'm going to be in the tribulation. I'm going to do these things. So I keep wondering why I'm going to fail. What's going to make me left, be left behind? Good news. You didn't fail at anything to be left behind. And they said, well, I, sometimes I feel like my life has been a target all my life. And I says, it has. I said, the 144,000 has had an entire lifetime of preparation. Everything that ever happened to you, good or bad, has made you what you are today. He said, there was a time the Lord told me not to tell people he was going to send these people to me so that I could encourage them, nurture them, um, get them comfortable with fulfilling the calling that they have. And at the time, this was, you know, 15 years ago, I lived in Roswell. At the time, the Lord said, don't tell them necessarily that of their role. Just let them, I mean, don't tell them, don't put a label on it. Don't tell them they're one of the 144,000. Just tell them that they have a calling. Because they already sense it and they already know it. And I've been bearing witness and I've been telling them. But just lately, just before the corona um, thing happened, the Lord's told me, he says, you start telling them who they are. Now is the time to let it know. They need to know that I put a mark upon them and I put a, a seal in their forehead. They need to know because time's short and they need to stand tall with confidence to go out and proclaim. So the job is the two witnesses. After after the 144,000 has gone, and basically they're preaching the gospel, but they're also preaching what all of us know, because this is part of the end time discussion. This is what they have that nobody else in the world has. Understanding this, the very thing that has been nothing but a millstone around all of our necks that has tried to drag us down, that has tried to make us think we were crazy, that was trying to, my gosh, I mean, preaching to the choir, all of the audience out there, you most of you can identify exactly with what I'm talking about. You are there, and that's why. You are one of these. So you're going out. You're giving an ultimatum. You know what the, comes after them? The ones that don't get it send out the two witnesses. The two witnesses come in, and they go, okay, since you have chosen to reject accepting the Lord and honoring him, uh, you remember the plagues that happened in Egypt? Guess what? It's happening to you. Now, it's not killing people. It's making them miserable. So they're not going out and wasting people, you know, with all of these, you know, things. It's, it's not like, you know, these plagues are killing people. They're making them very uncomfortable. They're disrupting their lives to the point where they can't function. And they're doing it to compel them one final last time to get it right or perish. So they're not wasting people they're not going to countries and wasting people they're going to give them a final ultimatum and giving them judgments upon their land so because according to the word if you're not going to get the blessings you're going to receive the cursings the cursings isn't god throwing lightning bolts and hitting you with a big stick you are cursing yourself because you refuse god's love so you have an enemy that hates you and he don't care whether you're following him or not if you you know you make yourself vulnerable to come there and kick your butt just because he has fun doing that. That's who his nature is. And that's what he does. So he'd love to do that. So the judgment isn't even God doing it directly. You're doing it to yourself because you refuse the insurance policy. The only hope you had, you're rejecting it. So that's what happens. But people are looking for two guys dressed like Gandalf um, with a staff, probably a crystal ball with electricity shooting out and then fire coming out of their mouths dressed like Old Testament prophets. That ain't going to happen. Some even think that it's going, one of them is going to be Moses because of the transfiguration of the mount. 
How can you figure? Come on. God, even a first a first year student of the Bible should know better than that. How come common sense sees to lead people? You start believing fairy tales. Tell me how, when the Bible says clearly in, in um, Hebrews, that it's appointed unto once to die after this judgment. The Bible clearly records that Moses died and wasn't even allowed to enter into the promised land. He died. If he died, tell me how he's coming back again. If he died, he's got a glorified body. He's up in heaven. He's not coming back. What, to die again in Jerusalem? I, I don't see that in the Bible. Where does it say that? It says it's appointed once to die after this judgment. End of discussion. Why are you even entertaining or promoting some silly, stupid doctrine like that when it's totally inconsistent with the word? Mm-hmm. The other thing, to, you know, as I said about prayer, it's not fire that's coming out of their mouth. It's the word of God. It's answers to questions that nobody else has to con- about the whole UFO alien thing, but also about every other mystery and mysterious thing. They have answers for all of these things to clarify what is really going on in the world. They totally understand the plan of God. So this is their job. So so all of this is going on. They're not looking like Gandalf. We have two examples in the book of Matthew. We have an example in Luke. Matthew was written for the Jews, so they were very specific about mentioning the scriptures, and they did it from a Hebrew mindset so that the Hebrews could understand. So they were very articulate about the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, and why and how and wherefores. The other one was the book of Luke. These were the uh, Greek scholars. They were the intellectuals. So it's presented more in a sense of basic logic. So one has a spiritual emphasis of prophecy fulfilled. The other one has an emphasis on the logic behind it. So in Matthew, we are told that that, uh, he was saying, look, the scriptures say, that Elijah would come to prepare the way for the Lord. And a disciple would come to him, some other people, they just come to him as a group and said, you know, Lord, um, what's with John the Baptist? Is he Elijah or do we look for another? And he said, there has not been such a, a greater prophet than Elijah. And he says, and I tell you a truth. He says, now, when you heard that Elijah was coming, what were you expecting? You were expecting someone coming from a palace wearing fine raiment. And he said, and, and said, and some even say, um, Jeremiah is coming with him or whatever. He says, and what did you find? You sound a voice of one calling in the wilderness, a hoary man. He called him a hoary. In the Greek, it means grisly, rough. You know, he, he, he looked rough. He looked like a, um, a, coal miner or something, just, you know, dirty and rough and wearing um, animal skins, which means these were the most primitive apparel that people wore. And <clears throat> he ate honey and locusts. The lowest level of social order back in that day was a nomad. A nomad didn't stay anywhere to grow food or to manufacture clothing or anything. They took whatever was off the land and crudely, rudimentally put things together. So they had these homemade caveman Fred Flintstone type apparel. Um, they ate what they could catch. There was honey and 
um, grasshoppers. So I'll imagine, I know if it was me, because I'm not going to eat no insect, no way. And if I had to, I'd probably want to put honey on it and make it taste better or whatever. I can't even imagine, don't want to imagine one of them suckers that tastes like it's horrible, even thinking about it. Um, but so it was the lowest level of social order. And that's where, that's where the greatest profit of all came from. And then he says, and I, this is hard for you to hear. Eli, uh, John the Baptist was Elijah. End of story. Didn't argue, didn't offer any kind of reason why or anything. He just said, here's the fulfillment and here's, here's the result. Here's what you thought you were going to get. Here's what I, how I worked. Now, in the other one in Luke, it says that pretty much the same thing, but it says, I tell you a truth, um, John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. Now, some New Ages tried to tell me, see, proves reincarnation. He was reincarnated. No, no, that's not what. Let's look at the word um, in the spirit of it and see what it says. And it means in the personality of. He had the persona, the, um, the temperament, the same role that that Elijah had is the same role that John the Baptist had. And he's just like a mirror replay of what was once, once was in the past. So there is two descriptions right there that tell us that everything that everybody's expecting to get, because what are they expecting? They're expecting Enoch and Elijah. Most people think some on Moses. Again, Enoch, Elijah was taken into heaven in a fiery terror. Flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. It says that clearly in, uh, also in the book of uh, um, Hebrews. Now, it also says that, that um, it comes right out and says that, that Elijah was translated, taken into heaven. Harpazio, translated, like people are pooped into the rapture. And what happens when you get pooped into the rapture? Well, you're taken into heaven, but flesh and blood can't enter the heaven. So guess what? You, you're given your glorified body. And it says that Enoch was translated. When he went to heaven, they got eternal bodies, folks. How are they coming back to die? They're not coming back. These are two people that are reflecting those ministries, but two other people. Careful what you ask for. You might get something totally freaky. I mean, who in in our cultural standards of today, who are what would be like the lowest? level of social order of people that are rude and crude and and brazen and bold and um, any guesses <clears throat> um well i'll be a homeless person i guess <laughs> well i'm thinking maybe well you know what according to the zion ones you know all of those people that were in the gangs gang banging and everything some of them were had a mark and a seal. God wasn't worried about where they're at today because he knows where they're going to be when they're needed to be. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't worried about it. He was all stressed out. Oh, what if this, what if that? Um, but amongst the social orders of people, I've seen an evolution of bikers from back in the old days. Cause I was riding, you know, Harley choppers in an outlaw type club back as early as 67, no, 68 and 69. Um, and I see how they've evolved when they went from being single uh, guys, mostly Vietnam vets, uh, were a lot of the early bikers, going back to some of the older clubs, World War II, 
after they got out of the World War II, they started bike clubs. It was part of this part of this thing about, you know, being in combat and the adrenaline rush and everything that, that they still needed some kind of a role in that. And that's what the whole biker lifestyle kind of represented. So it was a, it was an act of rebellion, but it was a rebellion that I thought was interesting. It was a rebellion to the same thing that most of us as Christians had seen. We didn't like this world. We didn't like the superficial BS. We didn't like a lot of this stuff. The Lord gave me a dream when I first started the King's Kids, the Christian bike ministry. He was saying bikers were like people that had one eye open. They see the same thing that that most of my people, before they become mine, see. They're disgusted with this world. They're disgusted with the status quo, with the, the superficial pursuit of material stuff. They don't want it. That's why they were the little patch F the, you know, FTW, F the world. Um, they got one eye open, but they need the other eye open. That's your job, Jim, to help them give them the hope that the reason that, you know what, we see the same thing and we're pretty disgusted by it. But you know what? The answer isn't where you're at right now. It's the first step, but let me show you the second step. In Christ, you can be a biker that can really be an awesome individual. You can have that willingness to go against the current. You can have the, the, um, the boldness to take a stand, you just don't have to act like such an idiot or, you know, death and destruction. You know, you don't have to fight your way into it. So as I've seen the evolution decade by decade, all of a sudden these guys get into organized crime. All of a sudden now they're telling everybody, if you come into the neighborhood, you got to join our association. Now, this is for Detroit. You are to join our association because we don't want all this punk stuff going on anymore. You're not going to terrorize the neighbors. You're going to respect the neighbors. You're going to um, actually help them out, maybe work in some beneficial programs or whatever. Um, do the right thing and help the neighbors out. They're your friends. Uh, we don't want all this garbage going on because basically they were into organized crime now. They were running, you know, anything from meth labs to prostitution to even running guns and contract killing for the mafia. They were organized crime. They didn't want that disrupted. So it wasn't a noble effort or reason why they were doing what they were doing. It was just we don't want to do the punk stuff anymore. So it went from that when the when the Christian ministry came on the scene and we're telling them, that uh, we're just simply there for them. You know, we're not judging you. Yeah, we don't necessarily like what you're doing, but there's a there's even something better. There's something more. Well, they came against us because they thought we were just scamming them, using the Christian card so that they wouldn't come back at us. And we were trying to, you know, move in on their territory, thinking that they could use the Christian card that they wouldn't come back and hurt us or anything. So they came back, got two places firebombed, had our lives literally threatened. And instead of, we didn't, we didn't run away in fear. We didn't pursue legalities to put them in jail. And we didn't fight back on their level. We just stood our ground and actually were the Jesus that they had never said. To speed it all up, it ended up, it ended up that, that we had made a major impact into the biker community. This went viral. It went all over the country. Other clubs started forming all over the world. Others before my club even were already around effectively doing the same kind of work. This was a move of God's spirit, moving in people that had already been disgusted with this world and wanted something different. They just didn't know what it was. All of a sudden, bikers from decade by decade, they started softening up. They had children, and all of a sudden, they had to clean up their clubhouses because they didn't want their kids seeing the trophy walls and different things that were typical of the biker culture. And then by the time their grandparents, now this 
country after eight years of Obama. Now, all of a sudden, bikers are the most patriotic people wanting to defend this country, most of them being veterans in several different wars, not only the Vietnam era in my day, but but uh, both Gulf Wars. Um, no? Oh, we're talking to your puppy dog, right? Okay. Oh, no, no. They're loud. We heard you. Yeah. So, so anyway, through all of this history, so what I'm saying is that, that bikers and biking now, there is an unbelievable moving of God's spirit going within a lot of the bike clubs, not just in Detroit area, but all over. Um, there are several clubs now um, that they have allowed, no, not, I wouldn't say several, almost all the clubs now have a chaplain that represents a spiritual side for them. Can you believe a, cha- a what? A chaplain for a bike club. That's wild. Because they're starting to mellow out. And now so, there's one club. They used to do contract killing for the syndicate. They're downriver. Um, and a guy that's a part of our ministry actually has become their personal chapter uh, chaplain. Now, this guy, man, no way is he compromising. This guy is so solid. Um, ordained minister, a little bit older than me, about 72 years old, I think. Um, he's the kind of guy that can go in and influence everybody and not be influenced by himself. He won't compromise. He will have a way to tell a biker that he's going to hell if you don't turn or burn, shake or bake, but does it in a way that the guy pats him on the back and says, thanks, man, that's that's cool, bro. He's just got that way. He's got a gift of evangelism. So he's in there with that group. Um, now, this group has chapters all over the United States. What they've done now is they, they've insisted that every chapter that they have has to have a chaplain, and the chaplain has to be born again. That's their requirements. Uh. There's there's another group in the inner part of Detroit, and not only do they have they, – they have on any of their chapters, they have to have a, a, a legitimate born-again Christian, but they want born-again spirit-filled Christians. They can lay hands and, and do all the rest of the stuff. This is what the bikers want for themselves. I can't. It's amazing. It's incredible. Why? Because God uses the foolish to confound the wise. Because one of the lowest social orders in our society would be probably bikers. So don't be surprised, guys, if uh, your two witnesses are a couple of bikers from Detroit or something, because you ain't going to get what you're expecting. You're going to get something totally different. God has a sense of humor. He says he mocks the attempts of, of uh, those that try to overrule his authority. He literally mocks at them because the the creator is never going to take over the creator. So I what? just think biking has got an interesting role, I think, in the end times, too. So it's pretty cool. I think it was just interesting. I saw... Uh, a video posting of a couple, uh, probably three different pastors, you know, they had their um, suits on with their nice offices and all their books behind them, and they were chastising all the people that they uh, in their congregations that are starting to recognize a global conspiracy uh, that's been going on, and they're starting to come to starting to come to light and there in the position of leadership chastising these people um as if none of this is real that's incredible it's incredible isn't it but it's kind of the it just kind of shows you the kind of the judgment on the existing church system 
and how you know I know that uh, Kim Clement had mentioned that uh, that that there's going to be a kind of a power transfer from that system to a people that are dissatisfied. You know, I would say I'm one of them. You know, I I have always been dissatisfied what comes out of the church, um, not really understanding the times that we live in and the times that are coming, and wanting to know why these people that are in positions of leadership don't seem to want to know or care to know and are willing to chastise people um, for wanting to know. You know what I mean? I yeah. know exactly what you mean. Exactly. That, yeah. That's what Mark Taylor said, that uh, that the big mega churches are going down. They're going to fall apart yep. because they're based on superficiality. The real strength and power is going to be from the little um, ministries inside of homes, home meetings, home groups. You look at First century church, that's exactly where the strength of that church went. Sure, they were growing, but look what happened to them when they grow into the big churches in the Holy Roman Catholic Empire. Mm-hmm. No thanks to Constantine. I mean, you know, it didn't, it, it, that's when it went downhill and had a strange mixture of paganism and Christianity mixed together. Well, so, uh, big churches are modeled uh, over the idea is bigger is better. And uh, if you um, make it into an entertainment platform, you can draw more people in you make more money that way you know it's a great uh tax-free um corporate style business to make money well and in the 501c3 just complements that whole concept and idea too the other thing is if you pay you say the more you the more you pay the more you're investing in your ability to have some say so in the church structure and government. The fact that you can <clears throat> pay big money means that you are organized enough, talented enough as an administrative kind of capacity of a person to have a company to make money and to you know be successful at it. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a gift of administrations, you know, that the church needs of people that are able to know how to transfer and utilize funds, you know, to the best. There, God's not against that. But they are not taught in the fivefold word ministry. To be a leader, you have to be representing the fivefold forms of the ministry. Now, here's the other thing. The board will find, if they're without a pastor, it's up to the board to find a new pastor. Now, here's where it gets everything is, you know, completely backwards. And that is, they should be looking for a pastor with the mind that, okay, who can we follow? Who can we, you know, can we trust that when we relinquish our power and authority as the leaders and can we follow this man? Who can we follow and trust? But that's not what they do. What they do is they do not relinquish their authority over the pastor and they're looking for a pastor who can follow us. Mm-hmm. So you get a spineless jellyfish. Mm-hmm that is going to submit to a board of elders, of people that have never been trained in a five-fold ministry. And these people are going to, who at best see everything through a carnal mind because they've never been taught the deeper things of the spirit. Does that mean they have to? No, it doesn't mean they have to, but it means that that's not their gifting. Their gifting is administrative, not um, pastoral. So you got the pastoral, a lot of times you got to wing it, man. You got to have an instant answer right then and there. Um, somebody needs uh, 
you to exercise your authority. You can't go back to the Board of Elders and say, you know, I got to have your permission to, what do you think about this? Well, let's get together and we'll get a meeting next week and we'll just, you know, it's too late. The guy's dead. You know, I had to give an answer right then and there. Um, you don't wait around. That's just not reality. That's why the church is cold, stale, and dead the way it is. We've got to structure all working in the wrong way. It's unbiblical. It's unsound. And it is going to fall apart. And that's what's happening. It's falling apart. That's why they're totally asleep. They got to comply. My God, the day after election, when Obama became president, after all the evidence of proof that he wasn't even a citizen, he was illegal, that he was part of the Muslim Brotherhood, that he was, you know, um, had communist ties going back all the way to his life. Why did nobody say anything in any of the big churches? You'd think it was just another day, you know, in neighborhood. Um, I don't want to. Sidetrack, but just uh, your mention of communism. Um, I've got confirmation that uh, now that the North Korea leader Kim Jong Un is actually brain dead, according to two U.S. officials. He had, Whoa! He had recently had cardiac surgery and slipped into a coma, according to one U.S. Uh, current and one former U.S. official. So um, he is brain dead, apparently. Oh my so, wow! You know that's what's breaking now. That's that's awful coincidental that he's been getting really close to Trump lately. Well, all of a sudden he's brain dead. He's you know in a obvious medical malpractice. I'm pretty sure way. Kim uh, Clement. I I got to double check that, or maybe no, it was probably Mark Taylor. It was one of the two. Don't quote me on it. It's one of them. Actually said that North Korea and South Korea would be one again. Uh huh. Wow. Then the sentence might so be a if good he's thing. Dead, yeah, it might be a good. Be the chain reaction in which that actually comes into play. Well, that would be interesting to see because you still got all the generals. That would be because the generals and the politics are the ones that the politicos are the ones that ran Kim Jong Il, so to speak. So, and I, I hope for for goodness sakes that it's true. Yeah, you know, I'd love to see that. Yep. Yeah, man, that would, would that be, be awesome. Nice? That would be wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, but so the thing is that knowing the plan of God, you have to go through the 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 method of God. The method of God was that He's not going to do anything until He. I mean, think about it. He's He's not He's not going to make any event happen on global affairs until He lets His prophets know exactly what's going on, so His prophets can tell the rest of the people. Here's my plan. I'm in control. Have no fear. It's going to be a rough ride, but I have a plan. See past what going from A to Z to get there. See, look at Z. Look at Z and know this is the end of the rainbow. This is where we're headed. I'm in control. I'm, nobody's going to deviate or take that control away from me. You are going to win, and this is your prize at the end here. So with that, you have a solid base so that when all you, you got all these, um, um, I don't know what you call them, half-baked YouTube prophets that spin off every latest, you know, um, um, conspiracy proof of what's going on and how and why. And I say half-baked because they're loaded with half the knowledge, but they don't know God's plan. So they're all worked up about, look what's happening here. This is a conspiracy. Look at the, you know, I mean, you can get very confused over that, especially going on what's going on in Michigan. Michigan is unique from any place else in the whole darn planet. What's going on here, you would have to live here to even begin to understand the demographics and everything else. 
Um, I did like the one thing that uh, that Gretchen Whitmer said that that this con- this city is so different. Something is happening different here that is not going on anywhere else. And one of them is that you know we're things are dying. People are dying more here than than in most cities on the entire world. Um, just Detroit, I mean, let alone the state of Michigan, but Detroit especially is way more proportionate. Now, Oprah Winfrey's trying to make it a black thing. It's got nothing to do with black thing. I wonder if Oprah ever did come from, I think she did come from the the, the hood. I don't know. But um, too many of the people that are trying to sort all this out are working with her or whatever. And I don't know how genuine and sincere Oprah is about any of this anyway. But the thing is that, that they're trying to make it a black thing. Oh, my gosh. Blacks are dying more proportionally worse than anywhere else. And they're doing it in Louisiana. They're doing it in Georgia. They're doing it, you know, in L.A. and New York. You know, it's a black thing. No, no, Oprah. It's a culture thing. And I can prove it very easily. It's a culture thing. There's, I mean, no, I mean, you can't prove me wrong. The thing is. You're looking at black and brown saying, oh, look at all the amount of deaths compared to uh, whites and how they're dying. But what about the whites that are dying? Mm-hmm. Why don't you find out where they came from? <clears throat> because you know what you're going to find out? They came from the same neighborhoods that the blacks and the browns came from. You know why? Because it's not a color thing. It's a culture thing. Mm-hmm. I know. I grew up in Brightmore, one of the, well, the, the drug gangs now brag about Brightmore being the most dangerous city on the planet. They're pretty putting pretty much right. It's mellowed out now because everything's been burned up and chased away and it's returned back to nature. So it's it's not so bad now. Now it's a good place in De- Brightmore, Detroit. It's a good place to go deer hunting. There's more deer herds there that can step out right in your front lawn. You can feed them or shoot them. I'm not a hunter, so I'd rather, you know, feed them and, and pet them and stuff. But um it's going back to nature, but it's one. It was at one time the most dangerous city on this planet, is what it was touted. That was when they called it the murder capital of the world around 2012, um, 2011. Uh, so, it's about culture. It's about how you have to be raised in that neighborhood and the challenges that you have, are faced with. This is what creates children raising children. So that they're not taught manners, they're not taught, taught proper procedures. Why? Because, because the oldest kid in the house is usually uh, raising or babysitting um, their own brothers and sisters, and then their aunts or uncles' brothers and sisters, and they're either they're working to not be on the social system, so they're working two or three part-time jobs just to make ends meet, just because they don't want to go on welfare, or they're on welfare, and once they get on, if they try to make any forward progress, they're penalized, and they find that they have to stay on in order to make enough to survive, because they're penalized if they try to get off. So they're stuck. So everybody's pretty much stuck in a rut like that. So the kids babysit the kids. They got no time to teach the kids anything. So kids are teaching kids. So they grow up rather in a lot of ignorance. And it's not anybody's fault. It's not got anything to do with race or brain matter or anything. It's culture. The culture sucks. Why? Because people have abandoned this group of people because of the neighborhood they live in. They're they're the they're they're the armpit of uh, the whole metropolitan city, and they get the last in line for anything and everything if they get anything at all. So this is just the culture, and this is what the culture creates. People that don't know any better that end up dying quicker. Why? Because they're vulnerable. Because the disease can come in there and take them out because 
they don't have enough sense to get on a bus and not cough all over everybody because nobody ever taught them that that's rude. They don't know any better. Well, not not only that, but they're living in a <clears throat> conditions where you have people piled on top of people. You know, so, yes. You know, they're, when you they're have packed that, in like sardines. Yeah. And look at it; they're all cities too: New York, yep. Uh, yep. New Orleans. You know, um, Seattle. Try to tell me it's about blacks in Seattle. It's not. Um, but anyway, so if you're packed in in, in like that, you're, you're going to be closer to people that have it, and it's going to be spread easier. Now. I, I always have to laugh because, you know, they're, um, it's kind of a tragic comedy, actually. But, you know, they back through the centuries, you know, every time that something happened, the Jews got blamed for it. You know, oh, they caused the plague. It's because we have them among us that, you know, the plague is here and everything else. <clears throat> but what happened was they'd pack them in the ghettos and everything like that. Well, I know that one of the things that's part of Jewish culture is that, you wash your hands all the time with soap and water, especially before meals. Okay. And that's a, that's the thing that they're encouraging people to do with this virus and not just before right. meals, but the whole time. Plus, if you isolate people that know correct hygiene in, in a certain area and you lock them in and don't let them out and stuff like that, like ghettos were, uh, real ghettos, um, you know, you're, you're, you're putting people that know good hygiene all together and of course they're not going to catch it because they're going to self-isolate or they're going to, they're going <clears> to <throat> take precautions to, um, you know, to, to protect one another and stuff like that. So, and then it was okay. Well, well, how come it's not happening to them? You know, they're, they're all there. We packed them all in there and it's not happening to them. Well, it's because of good hygiene. It's because of good practices and things like that. And. Yep. And so, you know, it's like you said, it is a culture thing. It really is. And notice it's, if you look at that map, by the way, that's changed a lot. That map, they don't put the, uh, all they put is, um, uh, active cases and, uh, and something and, and mortalities. They don't put anything else well, on there now. It's all changed. <laughs> but if you look at it, it's all in the cities. And if you look, if you look all across the land, you see a little dots all over the place, you know, where there's maybe one or two cases. But it's because people like in the Midwest and even here are, are spread out more more readily to where they they're not living on top of one another. And exactly, yeah. You know, so it is it is a culture thing. If you wanted to live in the cities, you have to take precaution because you're you know there's more of a chance you're going to get mugged. Uh, there's more pollution there, so there's there's a lot more chance you're going to catch some kind of cancer or or some kind of uh, malady that's going to take you out. Um, when a disease like this comes across, yeah, it's always the cities that have the biggest problem with it. And it's, it's nothing new. And, and them, them treating it like it's something new just really makes me laugh because it's always been this way all throughout history, you know, and my goodness, you know, um, get, get it right. Just start. One of the problems is people don't look at history. They don't look at things that have happened in the past. <clears throat> to to kind of correlate how it's going to impact the present and the future, you know. And what it uh, Santiana said that uh, um, if people don't uh, study history, they're they're doomed to repeat it. And it'll, yep. of course, in Ecclesiastes chapter one, it says the same thing. But um, you know, just look at the past, see what's happened, see the mistakes. <sighs> My dad used to to say. Um, uh, it's a wise man that learns from his mistakes, but it's an even wiser man that learns from the mistakes of others. Yeah, there you go. So study what yep. others have done, how they've they've messed up and everything, and 
and see, you know, how you can improve and not make the same mistakes that they made. Um, this Fauci guy, boy, I hope he hangs from the highest tree. Oh, he will. He will. He he is just a, a propaganda machine for the other side. He's giving out bad information, um, and he's advising the, ba- the the president in an ill manner. And boy, and I hope Trump realizes this, and he's just playing. Oh, I guy. think he knows. Oh, he he, he knows. He's playing him, man. He's playing him. He, yeah. you look at his body language. I I can read him like a book, man. It's so funny. Um, whenever anybody gets up there and that guy's dirty, he'll mm-hmm. his eyes get real squinty. And then he'll, when they're saying stuff that's either schmoozing the crowd or a bold-faced direct lie, yeah. he starts, he, his body starts swinging. He'll pivot and his body moves from left to right. Um, and then when it really gets bad, he'll do a little bit of rocking going forward. Right. He is holding himself together. I mean, this is body language that I don't like what they're saying. I'm not comfortable. And every time, What's his name? Fox gets up there and starts, you know, flapping his mouth. It's the same kind of thing. Now, you sometimes how, some pa- of them, how patient you have to be to, oh my God, to know yeah. you have a traitor standing in front of you. I mean, I don't know if I I would have the fortitude not to want to pummel this guy, but you know, I know it's all strategy. He's got to hold back um, and execute patience on all this, but it's just tough to have these. Uh, and enemies in the camp, you know what I mean? You know, one thing we learned when I was in the military, and probably because of special forces, so we learned stuff that not, maybe the average troop would learn. But if you have a, if you're held up in a position and you have a company size attacking you, which would be a company would be maybe um, eight to twelve men are attacking and they're they're rushing him. <clears throat> you pick off the ones in the back first, and you move your way up to the front one. And the reason you do that, because if you pick the front ones off, everyone in the back sees what's going on and they're going to either retreat or they're going to readjust their plan of attack and do something different. So as long as they're coming in, if you got enough time, you take all the ones out in the back. By the time the last one's there, he's all by himself. and That's dead meat. You got them all. You wipe them all out. And that's what Trump has to do. He can't let the big ones, the kingpins, go down first. He's got to get all these other little insignificant little elements together they form one big strong army but you start picking off the little ones little ones bigger ones medium ones and the next thing you know the big ones are all standing by themselves, and they're only big because they got everybody else following them so now they ain't squat and then they get they get carted away so this is what he has to do and he but yet he has to do it in such a way because eight years of obama he has infiltrated every critical highest level of our government is is infiltrated so he can't just do it maybe the way we would like to think it should be done but he's got a plan he understands god's plan he's a as clement said he would come in as a, a pagan he would get saved and then he would be presented with a challenge and during that the plan is so elaborate that only god could have put it together in such an elaborate way well that's what we're seeing right now history the the Prophets are speaking with accuracy. These things are happening. If you, and you can't just know about these movies. I've seen it as real spiritual warfare. My own kids have not sat down and watched it yet. And they're a little bit uncertain. He keeps calling me up. Dad, well, what about this? I just heard this on YouTube and this girl, I've been following her for years and she's really accurate and she's really good. I, I went and turned her on 
and she's pretty well known. Um, in my flesh, I want to give her the backside of my hand and say, shut your stupid pie hole, you halfwit. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, this is at the most critical time. I don't know what your problem is, lady, but you need to get pl- plugged into what the church is telling the body. You're a Christian. You ought to know better. Why are you running on your own darn intellect and on your own ability to perceive things? Who did who gave you that authority? Did God give you an anointing? If he get, if he gave you anointing for it, why are you not plugged into the rest of us that are hearing from God because we're listening to the people with a prophetic ministry? You haven't a clue who Mark Taylor is. You haven't a clue who um, Kim Clement is or David Wilkerson. I know you don't because they can tell by what you're saying that Trump is no longer in authority, that the um, Q is nothing but a, uh, a phony organization, a false flag. Um, as soon as I heard, you know, I, I heard that, you know, and we got to take back our rights, the idea to be uh, isolated and secluded is dangerous, and only the Nazis used to do I, isolate and everything, and I'm going, oh, my God. You know, lady, you're going to be held accountable for the things that you, information that you disseminate. Because whether you realize it or not, you're leading people astray. Right. Or you're leading them some direction. Whatever direction you're leading them, you're held accountable for what direction you're leading them. And you don't even have the accuracy to even know what you're saying. And you, you so are arrogant about what you're saying. You're not even giving leeway. This is the way it is, people. You're stupid if you don't realize it. And, you know, um, so she's ready to buy more ammo so that when the, the, um, FEMA and Arisum come in, um, oh, and are saying that FEMA's in control, not Trump. Right. And I go, uh, what? You know, the thing is, when it was announced, when the World Health, World Health Organization announced that it, we were officially under a global pandemic, soon as they said global pandemic, we are no longer under the Constitution of the United States. We are under the war the Congress War Power Act, this is wartime. This is what happens. It's Trump didn't take over to become king. He's used a lot, utilizing what the Constitution has been written into. We are now at war with an invisible enemy. That's why for a while we kept calling it that. Um, we're, in, we're against an enemy in a war that's affecting the entire world. So now the president comes under the War Powers Act. He now has control of everything. He wasn't trying to set himself up as a king. He's in control of everything. He's in control of whether we have an election or not. We don't have to have it. He has the power right now to say, nope, nope, yep. we're still at war. We can't do it. You know, I find that bad. funny because there, was, there were a number of governors accusing uh, Trump of acting like a king. I know it. And he he's not. He's He's acting like a wise fox that is going to be not a serpent but he's going to be a fox he's going to get rid of this the the swamp is in both camps the republicans are just as dirty as the democrats but see that's the other problem people that are there's a couple of conservative news groups i've I've watched and followed for uh, better than 10 years i get all their email you know notices and everything but recently one of them is on television now because they're hooked in with my cable company. And so I've been listening to it. I can't stomach it anymore. I can't watch them. I yeah, can't watch them they, at all. They were a snake that was hidden. Well, yeah, exactly. And you now know, they're the, coming out because they have no but, choice. But see, you know, the thing is, though, I don't some of them are like Chris Wallace is definitely a snake. But with this other organization, 
I really think they're sincere, but they're sincerely wrong because they don't understand God's plan. They, most of them are conservatives, but none of them are really strong Christians that have tapped into God's way to find out what God's plan was. They're Christian-ish, and by that mean, I mean they know about the Christian stuff, and they know about Christ, but they don't know him personally, and they don't know his plan personally. So they're mixing their own intellect, their own presumptions, their own perspectives with the way they see it. So that's why they can they can slam um they don't slam Trump, but they will not slam anybody that's uh, conservative. They'll slam the left, but they won't slam the right. And then they don't realize you're doing the same thing that the left is doing. And you're acting just like the left. You're pulling Whitmer's uh, comments out of context, making her say something that she totally did not say. And that's just plain, that's just plain lying. That's manipulating. They know in the context that's not what she meant. There's, there's several things. One of them. You know, she's she's um, outlawed hydroxychlor. No, hydrochloroquine. <laughs> Hydro, okay, hydrochloroquine. She has outlawed us from using that for the coronavirus uh, cure. Mm-hmm. How cruel and horrible is that? What a witch, man. What is she? Do you know why she's doing that? Well, because, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody that everybody that has lupus depends on that drug, or they die. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody in Michigan cannot find lo- uh, that that stuff anywhere because it's all been taken up. So she said, "Okay, we got to stop this. These people need this now, or they go into immediate remission and die." And anybody with a failing immune system, pretty much the same thing. That's what you take to build up the immune system. So again, she's not doing this to try to exercise some bizarre strange thing she closed off all of the plants and the gardening and everything because of a certain nature that is happening the rains are coming in this is early spring april showers bring may flowers well you know if you know about anything you've been studying about the coronavirus the coronavirus only it's in the air that's why it kills me i sometimes i want to cry and sometimes i want to pull my hair oh by the way i'm growing my hair back a little bit that i got i'm growing my little ponytail that i used to have two years ago probably because i want to pull my hair out now because i can't when i'm totally bald so i need to pull my hair out again um i'm i'm looking at these people that they'll wear their mask in front of the big box store and when they come out they pull it off Mm -hmm. it's like it's in the air what 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 don't you understand here you're not doing that just because you're closed in a room Keep that stupid thing on, man. But it's okay. I, I, I don't suppose it's too bad when when it's nice, dry, clear, plain weather. Um, the virus only hovers about maybe two, maybe three or four feet at the worst conditions, four feet high. So your mask, your nose is well above any of that, so you don't have to worry about it too much. Now, when it's raining and the moisture's out and it's wet, the virus gets trapped into the water. The water wants to raise to evaporate, to go back and recycle itself as vapor. So it's trying to move upward. But because it's got the virus in it, it's weighted more than it can. So it only goes about 20 feet in the air. But 20 feet in the air, all of a sudden, you're breathing that crap right in your, right through your mask, right through your nose. That's why anything less than a, uh, an M2095 is no good. Uh, a scarf isn't going to do it. You're going to suck it right through. So the thing, too, is, though, if you're, if you're planting seeds to 
plant a crop and you have all this rain activity going on, the whole idea is to pollinate to produce fruit. What do you think's being pollinated if you have trapped virus floating around where where these um you know little pods are sitting there waiting to be pollinated? You're gonna end up doing what Monsanto worked very hard to do strategically to corrupt and infuse uh, plants with their poison. Mother Nature can do naturally under these kind of conditions. You can end up growing COVID-infused tomatoes. Not exactly what you'd want to eat. So do they panic everybody or do they tip off that we realize some of your plans, you know, what you're doing? I don't know how much Whitner was aware of any of this or not, but they blocked it off just because they knew that that was going to be a rainy season is probably not the best thing to be doing growing food right now. So let's just kind of delay that. That's one of the reasons why Trump has been putting a total delay on not doing too much until some of these other cures are known. He knew that they were there, but we had to know that they were there. So we had to wait to see them there. Soon as they became available and so now that we know it, the plan to use this as Bill Gates had planned for him to come in with the serum, uh, uh, you know, a vaccination. And the vaccination has nanobot technology in it. At the best, you're going to have a GPS location so that unless you pull them little suckers out, they're always going to know where you are exactly. The worst is that they um, have nanobot technology that starts beginning to rearrange your DNA. I'm sorry, but anything that that guy has is going to rain like that brain thing. Uh, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. So this is the best way for Trump mm-hmm. to stave it off. Now they can't do anything. The only thing they can do is those people that are whiny, acting like whiny babies that want to be released and go out and continue to work and let's pretend the world is just like it always was. Um, if they have a second wave or anything, you know, you're either dead or alive. I mean, you're either going to survive it or you're not going to survive it. But, uh, you know, it's just you're being stupid. You know, we're already seeing second waves in China. We're seeing second waves in some of the other European countries that that opened up too soon, too quick. And now they're having a second wave on this stuff. Um, my gosh, I know I've had it twice, probably both of them, the coronavirus and the COVID-19, both. The first time I thought, oh, man, I was I never been sick. That, and I had the H1N1. You did, too, Dave. Yeah, I was I was pretty sick, but I survived that one. That was nowhere near as bad. This coronavirus that I had back in Thanksgiving last year, I was never. I mean, I had four other, three or four other medical problems going on at the same time. I had sciatic nerve pain; it was driving me insane. I had this back that was twisted, and that had sciatic nerve pain, arthritis, the neuropathy, heart disease. I mean, I was a basket. I mean. I was so painful. I'm not kidding you. I had my gun in my hand. I'm thinking if I could just go ahead and pull the trigger, the pain will stop. And I'm going, devil, you're a liar. You're not going to get me to take me out. I got stuff I got to do. I'm not buying into this. I said, you know, shut up and go away in the name of Jesus. And I quoted 2 Corinthians 10, 13 and, and uh, asked the Lord to give me, give me strength. Now, I'm not anybody special. I'm not some weakling either. I've experienced a lot and done a lot. But I'm just trying to be human with everybody to say, look, that's that's how much it affected me with all that I'm aware of and knowing. I know other people are struggling through the same kinds of things. Um, that made me sick, so sick. I know I'm not going to die from this stuff. I got a mark and a seal. I'm not. It's not going to happen to me. 
Mm-hmm. But God, I don't like being sick, man. I don't know how about you guys, but I go through now. If and when I do go out, I get masks on. I do everything. Not for me because I'm afraid I'm going to get it. I've already had it. I think there's probably a 90 good eight chance that I'm I'm uh, invulnerable to it. I'm immune to it. I probably got an antibody. The first time I can break out of here, I'm going to my doctor to get checked out because if my blood. They say that one person's blood can cure about 40 people. 40 people can cure about 1,000 people. I mean, it's exponentially. It's, you know, this could be a cure in itself just by a blood transfusion. And they, the some conspiracy things are saying, you know, against it, some for it, depending on who it is. It's it's like you, you could make your head spin with all of this stuff. Again, if you know the plan of God, you don't worry about it. They're not going to win. We're going to win. But all these all these different plans, all these different things can be taken away from the evil and given to us to benefit us. And that's what I see happening. And that's the hope that we need to be fixing our eyes on. This is what God's plan is telling us to do. Nothing. We're studying losers. They don't win. No, that's not going to happen. They lose. Well, how did they lose? Well, by what we're going through right now, right here, right now, what, what Trump is doing, that's he's making them lose. And he's going to continue to make them lose because he's one step ahead of the program all the time. If you plugged into the prophets, you would know this clearly. You would have the faith and the strength to to be at peace and to have comfort on it because you see past it. You've already seen what the end is. That's your hope. That's your vision. This stuff, all this what if stuff is, is goofy garbage. Um, it sounds simple, but then the thing is, do it. My my own kids, they still have yet to sit down and watch the movie. They keep, you know, Dad, what about this one? What about what about them? Watch the darn movie. Quit bothering. Right. Don't don't call me on any of these anymore until you watch the movie. When you watch the movie, then call me. That's oh, yeah. why I had to tell them. You know, you're, it's a waste of time. Don't tell me. Yep. Well, when you watch the movie, you'll realize that. <clears throat> and you know, when when you talk about Trump saying that we're we're at war with an invisible enemy, that's that's got a double meaning to it, at least. Um, because it's not just the yeah, virus. Yes, it's it's right. the people that are releasing it's the it. It's the, dark, it. it's the deep state. It's the invisible yep. enemy. Yep. Yep. And uh, But uh, scripture says that everything that's said in secret will be shouted from the rooftops and everything that are done in secret will have light shined upon it. So, And that's what's happening. And um, this, is, this invisible enemy is um, not going to be invisible much longer. We were talking before the show how um, I, I shared a picture with you guys about Oprah Winfrey. Um, and down it showed, um, like from her, um, elbow yeah. down to oh. her feet and she has a, uh, what looks like a, uh, tracker on her leg. Yeah. Yep. And, um, so I think these people have, have been, uh, given these things. They've been told to keep quiet. They've been given a gag order with possibly the promise that if they do keep quiet, it might go easier on them. And I hope that's a lie, uh, that they're being fed because I think that they all need to, uh, go down the dark road. Um, anyway, um. So, uh, you know, things are in progress, you know, and like you said, he can't come out right out and do all this stuff at once. Um, if you watch that movie about Q, uh, The Great yeah. Awakening, oh he says my that, gosh, well, they, that is they, awesome. Yeah. yeah. He said that they had they had two choices. They could either use the military to to take over the government yep. and to arrest those coup. in the deep state. Yeah. Or they yep. could do a soft coup like they're doing now. With and, Trump. With Trump, and uh, yep. you know, you yep. you rest little by little, you release, you you reveal little by little, and you 
Uh, and you and you used an excellent analogy earlier about picking off the soldiers in the back, and that's exactly right. what they're doing, because exactly. they went they went and arrested a whole bunch of people that were involved in child pornography and and um, and also in pedophilia. And you know, if you if you tell those people we'll go lighter on you, of course they're going to reveal their their upper hand. I mean, their the upper echelon that they know. And so then you go after that upper that echelon, and then uh, you arrest them, and then they're going to give up the echelon that's above them. And I'm confident that he knows everything that's going on right now, that all the players, I think that uh, Epstein is still alive and he's spilling his guts, um, that he's probably got videos and everything else of these people. And uh, that when uh, the day comes for these people to go to trial, they're just going to sit there with their mouth open and not be able to kind of like the people at the Nuremberg trial, you know, Um, you know, well, (laughs) they, they had they said that they were just doing it because that's what their orders were, but that wouldn't even be an excuse in this case. Um, they're not going to be able to defend themselves, or they'll blame it on Trump. You know, oh yeah, Trump made me do it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, it's going to be a it's going to be a glorious time. And but and I understand somebody said on on Twitter today, oh, can we please just start the arrest? This is getting ridiculous. Well, I know. There's there's a time and a place for everything under heaven, you know, and 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 then when it does happen, you know, well, you look at we watch lots of Law and Order around here. I think I've seen every every one about six or seven times, and uh, you know that what they do is they have to get all their ducks in a row. You can't have anything that would would uh, help that person to be exonerated or to, to get out of the charge that you have against them. And, and par- sometimes that does happen in law and order. You know, they didn't, they didn't have all their ducks in a row and everything, and the person walks. <clears throat> but, um, but with this, it's, it's much more serious because we're not just arresting pimps and, and, uh, or anybody else that, you know, on the street, drug addicts or drug dealers and stuff like that. You know, they're going to be going after congressmen against senators. Uh, they're going to be arresting, um, U.S. officials in the U.N. and maybe even some U.N. officials. And, oh, God, I hope they're, they're going to go after Soros. Um, if he's the first one to hang, that would be wonderful. Um, mm. But, um, you know, and, and that might sound kind of cruel. And I know a lot of times we, we talk about, you know, we have to have mercy and love and stuff for that, but like that. But, you know, there are just some people that are, are set against, dead set against us or dead set to see us dead. And um, those are people that... Um, I have a hard time having any pity or for any, uh, or even praying for, as a matter of fact. Um, I know they used to tell me, oh, you need to pray for your leaders. You know, and that's true. Um, so I used to pray Psalm 109 for Obama. You know, um, I know a lot of people, oh, that's not exactly what we meant. Well, no. Well, if King David was, you know, prayed this against his enemies, you know, it's, you know, and then God saw fit to put it in the Bible, <laughs> then maybe there's some credence to it, yeah. you know, and um, I, you know, if anybody's going to do harm to my family, my, my kids, my grandkids, my mother, my sister, anybody else in the family, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to try to help to keep that from happening. And if they do do anything and then God help them, um, better hope that the police get to you first. Uh, but anyway, so I, I I do think that uh, in, in the near future we're going to see things coming down. Now um, we were we were talking earlier about um, like almost like um, uh, convoys of airplanes flying around, and I don't even know what that's all about. 
a lot of helicopter activity, a lot of um, uh, a lot of activity like that. So um, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we heard about um, them going into tunnels and stuff, and then heard about how they're starting to destroy some of these uh, dumb bases underground. Um, and uh, you know, if that's true, that's wonderful. I hope it is true. Um, but uh, it's we will see justice accomplished. Um, I don't, frankly, I, I think the Democrats are going to try to pull a fast one um, when it comes to the election. I think that um, if, the, if if anybody's crazy enough to think that Joe Biden would be a good president, I I don't know. You, you need to go seek help somewhere. Um, but, uh, and I've talked with Ralph Everson about this. You know, he's kind of a confidant, just like you guys are. And uh, we seem to think that maybe Hillary's going to come up at the last moment and go, hey, you know, since he didn't have anybody else, I'll I'll take the helm. You know, I'll run for president. And that would make things kind of interesting, actually. But um, it would be awful embarrassing for her if uh, right in the middle of the campaign she got arrested <laughs> to Guantanamo. Well, I was going to I was going to say she and her husband are going to Guantanamo. I'm pretty sure they're going to get the death penalty yeah. for every the body count that they have. And you know darn well he's got the proof on most of it. So, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, and Biden, are you serious? I mean, what everything that he accused him and his son of doing is exactly what he and his son did. Only the difference is he couldn't find any proof on it. Trump's got all the proof in the world. Yep. Um, there's going to be no Democratic Party left to have anybody on the platform. Now, Whitmer might. My little my little girl that I uh, kind of like might run for president. But no offense, hon. I hope you do get saved. And I got a lot of people praying for you. But I'm never voting for you for president. Not as long as you're on a, uh, a docket and a platform that says that it's OK to have genocide on babies. I'm sorry. I'm not voting for you're You're a lot like Mike, uh, like um uh, Dugan, our mayor in Detroit, he's an awesome guy. You're an awesome woman. You want to do the job you were elected to do. You want to keep politics out of it, and you're willing to work with anybody and everybody to make sure that you do what you were elected to do. That's what I like about you. That's what your character has risen to, and I want to honor that, and I will defend you on it. But the rest of it, hey, it only goes so far. You're still a Democrat. There's still things that I, we inherently do not agree and probably will never agree on, but you're going to get over that because God's going to get you saved and wherever you end up, you're going to be on observing him. So that'll be a good thing. It's nice when you can make an enemy, your friend and a best place when you can make them part of your family. So that's your future. I'm just doing a witness thing in case you ever get the chance to hear this. It's cool. Hi, I'm in your, um, I'm on your side. Um, it's, you just keep showing the character that you're showing and, and I'm on your side, but not completely. Trump is going to win by a landslide if there's anybody to even vote against him for an election, which I don't know. You might be the only thing, but no offense, dear. You're not winning. He's winning by a landslide. The fake news and everybody else is not. Um, and even as divided as we are right now and as insecure and uncertain we are and how goofy we're acting, God also spoke to his prophets that part of God's plan was he's going to make a reset. And I think that reset is coming very, 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 very soon. Um, it's, it's important to realize it's not just happening here. It's happening in Britain with Boris. Yes. Yep. You know, and it's happening in other countries, too. Any any nation that would that wants to take advantage of what God has to offer, God gives yep. it out freely. 
Boris Johnson just about died. I don't know if you guys knew that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, right at the eleventh hour, they they pretty much brought in a bunch of people to pray over him. Mm-hmm. And it could have went either way. They said, and yeah, after they right. prayed, well, it it turned for the better, and he came out of it. So there's a separation of wheat and tares. We see this as happening as part of end time prophecy. Part of the great shaking up that Peter mentioned was that everything that was based on man-made doctrine is going to be proven and shown for what it is. Everything that is of God is going to stand. The reset is part of all this process. And it is, there is a way, and I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to navigate my way to find the balance on this myself. There's a way to be firm and rebuke and even pronounce a certain judgment call people out but you do it with grace and mercy and you do it the way jesus would and it always has grace and mercy and and love and so um there is a balance but we are seeing the separation of wheat wheat and tares sheep and goats so that when i see chris wallace acting the way he is when i see that he's not even acting like a human i can see it in his eyes i see his facial expressions there's something very ungodly something very wicked in the way he's got this agenda of trump bashing yeah um and he's an investigative reporter that has been an anchor man he has dug dirt up and he knows how to investigate and he knows how to find out real answers so some of the ways that he's um asking people questions some of the things that he's ignoring that i know anybody that is thorough on the level that he's capable of he is deliberately lying because he knows better and he's right. putting a spin on stuff. So he's a snake, and I'll call him a snake. I don't, you know me, I've never called people names, but I'm starting to call some because when God clearly shows me, you know, this person's not even human. This person, you know, is um, a silicone-based life form that, that you know, forget it. Yeah, he's part of yeah, he's part of the computer program. Then you know what? And and I think we do have the ability to have a certain level of discernment on that. And it doesn't mean I go kill him. It means that I I pray and realize who he is for what he is and let everybody else know who he is for what he is. Uh, That's part of the thing you were saying about what was uh, held secret is going to be shot on the rooftops. Well, who's doing the shouting on the rooftops? We are. Yeah. This is part of our battle. This is how we fight the enemy, a spiritual battle. This is how we overcome these things. Um, Some of them human, some of them not. Hey, I got kidnapped a bunch of them that were uh, part of my uh friday night bible study one of them ain't human i don't know who it is but i know they know and eventually they'll be found out too and they they still watch and monitor me this we're talking about something that happened back in 2016 so it's just totally unreal um so then and that's the other thing that some of us have already encountered non-human beings that we've had to contend with if we're not doing it in the spirit of god letting him control it Man, you're going to get your butt kicked. That's you don't right. have the power to do this on your own. You have to have God's power. You have to be tapped into that power. So, again, you know, to the to the fundamentalists who are having a real hard time with a lot of this stuff, because you've been told that these things died in the first century with the, with the uh, uh, apostles. That's not even, again, not even common sense. Satan's going to throw everything he has at us, and we're going to fight him with one hand behind, tied behind our back. We have we have the logos. We have the rema. We have two witnesses uh, that come together. The logos is the written word of God, 
and the rima is the personal inspired word of god by the holy mm-hmm. spirit that personalizes the application of everything so you got to have both and that that other is where you understand the plan of god where you understand god's sovereignty you have the peace but you also have the method of the gifts to fight these things on a supernatural basis. Right. There's no way you're going to fight them any other way. They'll tear you apart. You know, and the thing is that, and I'm going to make this as a challenge, uh, because like I could, I could find all kinds of scripture and walk you through the scriptures and show you the error of your ways. You're already predisposed. That isn't going to do anything. You're not going to change your ways any more than I'm going to change mine. We're both set in our ways, and I understand that, and I'm good with it. But there's one thing you can't resist, and that's the irresistible love that God has for you. I can show you and prove to you that this is not witchcraft. This is not some ungodly um, working signs, wicked signs and evil. Because what I want to do for you, if you're willing to meet me on Skype or on Facebook, on, um, on the instant message phone call, eye to eye, face to face. If you will indulge me, I will put my hand on the screen as if I'm touching you, because we can't do anything better than that. So we have to have the faith that the centurion had. He says, oh, Lord, you don't have to come to my house. I know I'm a man under authority. If I speak something that my servants will do it. So I know that you right here can just speak it out and and it will be done. He says, man. I'm no greater faith have I seen in all of Israel than this man here. So we're going to exercise that same faith. So face to face, eye to eye, I put my hand as if I'm touching you and laying hands on you. And then indulge me to allow me to speak in tongues over you. And I'll do it like this. And I'll do that. And then we're going to remain silent. And then you have your mind open to hear from God. Anything that might be said, I'm going to wait for the interpretation of what I just prayed over you. God is going to give me something for you in a personal way. We're not going to do this on stage or in front of everybody. This is something very private and very personal. I will do it with you one-on-one on the screen, and I will get something for you that will draw you closer to Jesus, that God and God alone gets the glory for. It will cause you to have a better relationship and a more healed relationship. I will give you something that you've either wrestled with, that you've either um, um, always wondered as far as a question, or something that you have, have feared or been apprehensive about, a hurt that needs to be healed. I can offer you that at any time I want to, if you're willing to meet me there and you will not be able to resist his love, you will experience healing. You will experience encouragement. You will experience confidence like you never had before. How do I know? This is what I've been doing for the last two months, working on my web page or web page on my uh, Facebook page, praying with people and helping them either in deliverance or in counseling, um, healing, um, whatever it's been. Now, in the two months, I've had three people who were dying of uh, COVID-19. It's been a battle. We've had to pray them all the way through, but all three of them have recovered from the, the thing. The one was a, a dear friend of mine, my daughter-in-law's father. I never even knew that he was in the hospital. He was a, a Christian leader. The daughter was so ashamed that he was a Christian leader in the hospital. How can this happen? She didn't even ask for prayer. Mm-hmm. 
if my daddy was in the hospital, I would ask everybody under the sun for prayer. This is her own vanity. Things are coming out in this, on all of this. My son is the equivalent, my oldest son is equivalent to a Antifa, only um, only in the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, what are those guys called? The anarchists. Mm -hmm. So basically what he's telling me is God, he doesn't believe in God's plan. He doesn't even know what God's plan is. I, I, it amazes me because he's he goes to one of the best churches in Detroit metropolitan area with some of the best teaching and preaching that you'll ever hear in this city um, at C3. And he hears it but doesn't get it, doesn't understand anything. This hurts me. You go to my, his website, the things that he's blasting about anything about from Trump, everybody, anything. He hasn't got a good word to say about anybody. He is just so detached from the Lord. This guy was once a youth pastor. He was once um, uh, a teacher and preacher. He's so enamored with his own intellect. He's become um, an intellectual idiot. And I hate to say that about my own son. I love him, but I detest everything that he stands for right now. At a most critical time in history, when he could have risen to be uh, called, he's not been chosen. And he can't be. He took that away from God because he refused to plug in to what we're trying to say here tonight. And it's getting back to Amos, um, you know, the, the prophecy, the word in Amos 3, 7. God has made a way for us to understand. He doesn't listen. He doesn't believe, you know, in these prophecies. And so that's why he's stuck with where he's at. The one thing that God won't do is to uh, interfere with our free will. That's right. That's right. You know, um, it's interesting because I, you and I both had an encounter recently with somebody online that was very fundamental and basically called us false prophets and, and other things that I'm not going to talk about on the air here. But um, anyway, my, my question is to, to those people, the fundamentalists or whoever else doesn't, fails to believe that the gifts are available for our time is to explain to me Joel chapter two. Okay. And, and, and I know, I know what they're going to say. <clears throat> I'll counter that in a minute. And, and just starting at uh, verse 25, when God, God is speaking to the people through Joel, um, and I will restore you to you, the years the locust has eaten and the canker worm and the caterpillar and the pale worm, oh, excuse me, the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you, um, and you shall eat plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord, your God, that have dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord, your God and none else. And my people will never be ashamed. That's twice it said in two different sentences. You can't say that about Israel for the past 2000 years. OK, minus maybe the 70 that they've been around um, reestablished as a nation. Um, so you can't say that that was the first century uh, because the Jews were hated in the first century. Um, okay, let's let's continue. And it gets really good here. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see. Oh, wait, wait, that was New Testament. You can't quote that. That was New Testament. You're quoting Acts. Yeah, okay. Well, let's, let's continue reading and see here. <clears throat> no, okay. Acts was quoting Old Testament to right. prove that this was the day that that happened. Right. And But it continues because it's still the last yeah. days. And mm -hmm. also upon your service and your handmaids in those days, I will pour my spirit out. 
And I will show now. Now tell me where this has happened in the last two thousand years. If this happened in the first century, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth: blood, fires, pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Okay. So if this was just for the first century, show me where the sun, where the moon has been turned into blood. Well, it has recently, but yep. show me where the sun has turned to darkness. Well, you could say, well, yeah, an eclipse, but no, I don't think this is talking about that. This is talking about a time where the sun will be turned to darkness for a period of days or weeks. Okay. And Revelation I'm, talks about that. I'm thinking three days. Okay, three days. Thinking, okay. Yep. The, you know that it used to be like I used to think it was like a Catholic doctrine, but then I uh, somebody else showed me, walked me through some of the scriptures, and I go, "Oh my gosh, there's all the scriptures for three days." And guys, I've never shared it with you guys before, but it's in between the real rapture and the new age rapture. Mm-hmm. One happens three days of darkness, boom. The other one happens. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, it makes all the sense in the world, man. It ties into so many other things. Yeah. So. But I defy anybody that believes that the the uh, the gifts are not for today to show me where the sun is turned to darkness and where the moon is turned to blood and there's been fire and pillars of smoke. Okay. Well, look what it says. And I will your handmaidens. This they're going to be prophesying. They're going to be experiencing all these gifts. Well, wait a minute. This is after the disciple. I mean, this isn't the apostles. No, it's not. Right. So, and the other thing, too, you go back up to Joel's second chapter, and it says that there is a great army that is gathered together. Right. It talks about drooping clouds and all this stuff. Well, it's not talking about a bad weather condition. It's talking about a time of uh, hidden secrets, a time of something clandestine that's going on. And then it says a great people come together that have never been before and will never be again. What are they talking about? This is not a human, normal group of people. Good news, Chinese, it's not you. The 200 million of you aren't coming together. This is 200 million of something that has never been before and will never be again. Transhumanism, cloning, right. artificial intelligence. Um, it's all kind of cryptids and everything all, else. Yeah. All this stuff. This is a combination of every Frankenstein thing that our scientists are working on now is going to accomplish and achieve a group of things that have never been before and will never be again. We're not even talking about anything that's fully human. And that describes the person, a body that has some form of everlasting eternal life. But there's also going to be an environment that has never been before and will never be again. Yeah. And we find that in, gee whiz, you found that one for me. And that was uh, Revelations 10, 13. And there shall time shall be no more, period. And there's other scriptures that confirm this concept of space time. Now, in that scripture, being fair to the scriptures, it can mean an end of a cycle or an end of an age, or it can literally mean an end of time as we know it. And in context of everything else that's been going on, it's got to be time as we know it stops. A tribulation, what's being agitated, not the governments of the world. What's being agitated is space and time. Well, whoever did that? Hmm. I, that, that goes to one scripture. 
man, in my book, I went through all this work trying to prove who the who the um, Philistines were, who the um, uh, the tribe of Dan and where they went and everything. And I'm I'm doing all this stuff, and it was pretty good work. But for some people, it just wants a short, quick answer. God, I had the short, quick answer all along, and I didn't see it. There's a scripture, and it's it's when uh, in context, this is a time when when um, Israel was at war with the Philistines, and they they were fighting. Now the Philistines, right now, their next door neighbor, the main tribe or group that they were fighting, representing the Israelites, were the tribe of Dan. They lived right next to them, so it was the Danites. So the Levitical priests were taking the Ark of the Covenant on its way to conquer the, to go against the enemy and conquer them, the Philistines, and they slipped. And the one priest went to grab it to keep the, the ark coming from falling and died as soon as he touched it because you're not supposed to unless you do all the cleaning rituals and everything. So anyways, um, the uh, Philistines, they just went up and just grabbed it and took it away. So, hey, there's your power of God. What happened with that? You know, look, at we stole your God in a box, man. We're going to put him in our, in our temple with uh, Dagon. So they did. Then, of course, the story goes. The first night, Dagon's on the floor in front of the God in the box. They pick him back up. The next night, Dagon's not only on the floor before the God in the box, his head's rolled off. Okay, somebody sent a message to the uh, Hebrews. Hey, you guys, come pick up your God in the box here. Uh, we don't want him anymore. We're, this is getting kind of weird. Uh, but we did take it right from you like nothing. We're, you, you guys are such a joke, and we got the power. So God sends Isaiah over to wake, to give the Philistines a warning. And this is the warning he gave him. He says, Rejoice not, thou who Palestinia, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. Huh? I'm looking at this. I'm going, you know what? I don't know, but I sense there's some kind of genetic manipulation going on here. What are you talking about from his root, a fiery? Because I've seen that word root being used before as meaning from their genetic stock. So I thought, okay, something genetic is going on here. I'm going to check this out. I checked out every word, every word until I knew exactly what it said. So in my unofficial Jim Wilson version, and by the way, on some of this, I had uh, Dr. Mike Heiser check out, and, and he agreed that my Hebrew was uh, consistent. It was okay. It was good. But a lot of times he'll say, but Jim, and then he gives me what I call, I teasingly call him the Billy Goat religion. But you don't agree, you know, and a lot of times he doesn't. But we got a good friendship. I, I really appreciate his input. But uh, he told me basically, no, the language could say that. Okay, that's good enough for me, Mike. Thank you. And uh, so here's my unofficial Jim Wilson version of that saying. It says, rejoice not all of you Philistines, because the tribe of Israel, meaning Dan, that punished you, is broken off to pluck up from the serpent's root an extrusion of offspring, shining ones to cover with obscurity the serpent. Whoa. So you're making shells for these things to hide in because you're really not human, but you look human. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's pretty tricky, huh? Okay. And so this is going to happen when the Philistines somehow are going to use the Danites, or the Danites are going to use the Philistines. Now, what would be the connection there? You know, is there a connection? Yeah, there is. The Philistines and the Hittites were a group 
that were like the Canadians and the Americans. They had the same culture, the same religious beliefs, the same technology. Everything was like almost identical. So they were like brother, brother, you know, with each other. Now, the Philistines actually being the younger brother, the Hittites being the older brother, only in the sense that they had the superior technology and was willing to share it with the Philistines. But they were in the Iron Age when the rest of the world was still in bronze. Now, with my metallurgical background, I understand that when you have iron against um, bronze, bronze being not soft like brass, but being very hard and brittle. When you're in combat, when an iron hits the bronze, you're going to end up, that thing's going to shatter like glass. So you're sitting there trying to stab the person with shards of glass in your hand because you haven't got a weapon anymore. And so the, the, the iron was that far superior. Yet, here was a pagan group that, that God was um, sparing because it was recorded that the Hittites got in a big battle with the Egyptians. The Egyptians, descendants of Ham, they were black. And then the Hittites, very white. And as they're fighting, the Hittites lose. They get their butts kicked. And as a matter of fact, they lost so bad, they asked the, the Philistines, hey, we're going to come and join you guys, man. We don't want to be around here anymore. Didn't work out for us. So they went to Ashkelon. They became part of that. Now, the Philistines, we know, when Joshua and Caleb were around, wiped out almost all of the giants that had reappeared after the flood. They escaped into the camp of the Philistines, big white guys with a bad attitude. Now, the connection that they both had genetically was that the Philistines were closely associated with the Hittites. Like I said, they were almost like the same. The Philistines is where the last seed of the giants, and that's where Goliath, where King Og, they came from that group there. But the other thing was that Jacob was the father, and he had concubines, and they made the other 12 tribes, of, you know, the 10 tribes of Israel. One of the tribes was Bilhah. She was a Hittite. She was a white. She was the mother of the Danites. The Danites weren't a pure, they weren't a pure stock um, uh, Hebrew. They were connected genetically to the Philistines and to the Hittites. So there's a connection there. All three of them kind of have a shared joint effort here. So anyways, the interesting thing is that the, the Danites symbol went through several different changes. At one time, it was a serpent. Ahizer, the patriarch, didn't like the serpent because it represented Satan. So he changed it to the enemy of the serpent, the eagle. So the eagle has been around representing the tribe of Dan all the way back from when Moses left the land a lot of Danites left and went into the Medea Persian Empire and into the uh, uh, Greece Empire. Medea Persian used the eagle for their symbol. The Greek Empire, an eagle. Then they became the Argos that helped form and found the Roman Empire, the eagle. Then where did the eagle go? Oh, it went to the United States. You know, those guys that had first a serpent for their symbol and then change it to an eagle. So this is where the eagle went. Jesus said one time, when the eagles gather, there's death. He wasn't talking about a turkey vulture. He was talking about an eagle because the eagles represented wherever Dan congregated, something not very good was going to happen. Although Dan was in both camps. There was a part of Dan that was godly. There was a part that was not so much. So anyways, their symbol was the eagle. Now, the Philistines, their history, I know I, it's pumpkin time. I'm sorry, guys. We'll hurry up there. Um, the Philistines, they originally came from the island of Crete. The island of Crete actually included it actually included um, the fact that they were from the Minoan civilization. 
the Minoans were said to have survived Atlantis at the destruction of a great flood. So a symbol followed them from Crete to the Minoans to the very symbol Helena Vybotsky wrote, the anti-Moses wrote about the sons of God and the daughters of men, that their symbol was the swastika. So what we're being told here by word picture that makes it a whole lot simpler, when you see the eagle and the swastika come together, that within that empire, they would start trying to purify or genetically alter the human genome, making the uberman, the superman. They would also, according to Daniel's second chapter, Daniel 11th chapter, they would also think to change times and seasons, and it would be given to them under a time, times, and a dividing time, past, present, and future. This is a manipulation of time and space. When we see actual history, we see that the Third Reich actually was working on a genetics program. They were actually working on space and time, bending and folding and traveling through time. First, it was the Hanabu and the real saucers that could travel real fast. But then when they found out that if they put a mercury vortex implosion going in one direction and one in the opposite direction, it not only folded time and space around the vehicle to go really fast, it also tied with harmonics and sound could bust through and travel, creating a wormhole, and travel through it and go to wherever or whenever they wanted. The very thing that was prophesied in the Bible way back a long time ago. God has not left us as orphans. He's given us a sure foundation. Quantum physics is described to a T in there. It describes everything that is part of the plan of God. It's incredible. It's amazing how this all happens. God, through his prophets, have been showing us. I'm maybe not as big a named one as David Wilkerson or um, uh, Kim Clement or, or um, Mark Taylor. These guys, you can tap in to get the basic root, enough to anchor yourself on something that you can see God's plan. Me, I'm the guy that kind of puts out some ideas that most people haven't even ever thought of that are from the Word of God, clearly from the Word of God. And it's just, it's awesome. We're here, guys. This is it. Now, I'm going to be very careful in what I say because this is all that God said, and I'm not going to read anything more into it. But he told me this year something personal for me. So, Jim, what you've been waiting 24 years for, this year, something triggers this all. Now, I'm not going to play the Herald Champion guessing game for the trap rapture or anything. Jim isn't predicting the rapture. I'm not going to be that stupid to do that. I'm telling you, God told me something triggers all of this off this year. I'm not saying anything more. I don't know. I've got little picture snapshots that I know are going to happen. I just don't know when they're going to happen, and I don't know how they are affected or interacting with some of the other things. Some of these things are going to be like dominoes. One hits the other, and a bunch of them fall at one time. So I, I'm expecting that Ezekiel 38th chapter invasion is going to happen, and oh, boy. I think after in October, we can have some very interesting conversation about that one, because I think I think God showed me something on that. But that's something that I can't say until after the fact. God's got to get glory on that one. So we just have to sit and wait. But we're in exciting times. This could be it should be for Christians to understand God's plan. I don't see how you could not be so excited. You'd be like me. I'm a kid waiting for Christmas. God has shown me his plan that sees past all the doom and gloom. These things have to happen. I wish they wouldn't have to happen, but they have to. The burden that Trump must have on his shoulders. 
he knows a certain time, right place to let these things out. And, but he sees other things that have to happen. Mm-hmm. To know these things on the level that he clearly knows them. Like you said, Eric, man, he's, you know, boy, I'll tell you, the man's got to have a lot of prayer. He needs all the prayer we can give him because he's got a heavy burden on his shoulder, man, that, for what God has given him. But it's God's burden. So he's able to transfer it out and to endure and be faithful to the end. Right. But the same with all of you guys. You know, you guys, most of our audience, you got a mark and you got a seal. And it's time you know your identity because it's time for you to, to, you can't be and do to be anything that the 144,000 are, but you don't have to. By taking a, a, a bittersweet look at your past, everything that happened to you, good or bad, has made you who you are today. And because who you are today, God says he sees you as an overcomer. He sees you in victory. He sees you as one that he has marked and he's given a a, a seal, a protection on. Right. You're going to be fine. And he sees you as one that's a victor. You may see yourself as well, there's no way I can't, you know, I'm I'm so inept, I'm so human, I'm so this, that, and the other. Yeah, well, so was every so was everybody that God ever called. You know, he, he called he called Moses and what? He needed he needed um Aaron to to lift him up at times. He needed Aaron to be his voice when he couldn't speak too well. Um he used David, a man after his own heart, who was willing to kill his friend have his friend killed so he could have his wife. Um our perceptions of things and where God finds us and what how God sees us is two different things. You don't have to be anything other than yourself because who God sees you now as is what he's already seen you in the future. So you don't have to try. You're never going to conform to be the calling of 144,000. It's not about you. It can't happen. You cannot humanly do anything to make that happen. All you can do is do what you continue to do so far. Do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Don't figure out the end. Don't anticipate, you know, if I do this, then maybe this will happen. That's God's job. You're not paid to do that. All you're paid to do is what's in front of you right now. For me right now, people are dying of COVID. You know what? I need to pray for them. I need to lay hands on them. I need to believe God's going to heal them. Everything else is secondary now. That's why I've had to ask other people, you know, quit sending me all these wasted pieces of dirt with no gold inside of it. I'm, I can't hunt. I can't go gold digging right now. I need to focus on what's right in front of me. People are dying. I have the uh, the gifts of life. I need to practice that gift to give these people life. So the same with all of us. Right now, let's do what's in front of us. Keep being the people that we have been. You're the type that, that don't take no for an answer. You're not afraid to take a stand. You're not afraid to go against the curve. You want the truth no matter what the truth might be, no matter how ugly it is, just like in the Matrix. You don't want the red pill. You want to take that. uh, You don't want the blue pill. You want the red pill. You want to see reality for what it is. So much so that you're willing to look into yourself to be changed. So much so that you're willing to say, you know what? I can be your own worst enemy, my intellect, for whatever it is, Lord. Please, I lay it down at your feet. You control it every step of the way. I need your anointing more than I need my intellect. So please give me everything that you can give me. I need the anointing of your Holy Spirit to direct every step, to direct my brain and everything. Otherwise, it's a brick wall that separates me from you. You do that and nothing. Like uh, Pastor Steve uh, Upshur says, you're a stick of dynamite in God's hand. You can take out the enemy in multiples with that. And that's all you got to do. Just keep being yourself. That's all you got to do. 
that right. takes all that takes all the pressure off your shoulders, man. That's cool. That's yeah. fun. That's right. So true. All right, gentlemen, it's uh, pumpkin time for you guys. Anyway, I still got light outside. So light. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. It's good. He got a time in the past. <laughs> he got a time. He got a time machine, man. Hey, I, you know, I give you the lotto numbers, but it just doesn't seem to work out that way. I don't know. It's some kind of dimensional quirk. It doesn't work. Well, winning the lottery is a curse. So you're meant to be poor. You're meant to be poor. That's all there is to it. <laughs> well, I'm I'm meant to be rich, and I think many of us are, and we got to keep our ears and eyes open for that. When this when this uh, reset happens, um, and all of a sudden, when the whenever the new age rapture does happen. They're taken, and everything they, all the the goodies, all of the empires, all the land, all the plans that they had planned to have a new world order, it goes to us. So I won't buy you guys, but I got some, I got some pretty good plans uh, for for things that are going to happen. It does. It goes to us. And there are scripture. I got videos. Some of the more recent videos that I had written out on that. Um, they're going to be reposted. I'm having one heck of a crazy time doing it. I've tried to get on BitChute. Google stops me. Uh, the guys, you know, the ones that you posted on uh, YouTube, Dave, yeah. I can go and I can hear the show, but I see a little eternal circle. They won't let me have any interfacing to answer anybody's response. I cannot get through it. I have used every trick that I know of in the book. Um Google is like an octopus. It's got their antennas, uh, you know, their tentacles into everything. Um, I can't look up anything on time travel and Donald Trump. I can't look up anything on Hitler uh, with his association with Nazi technology and, and that. No, it won't take me to anything. It'll, it keeps sidetracking me and diverting me into something else that's totally stupid. Huh. I don't yeah, know what the answer I, to that is. You know, um, Satan thinks he's the prince of power of the air, and he thinks he can come here and screw around with my computer. And I have a hard time on everything. Nothing is working right. I That's why I've got an external hard drive now, three terabyte hard drive. So I got everything backed up at it. So if this does go south again, at least I got everything backed up on my hard drive. But yeah, it's smart. just, if nothing else, it's developed an intense insanely amount of patience man i you know normally i should have already busted my scream up and, and killed my computer but i haven't it cost me too much money. i can't keep doing that right i'm only allowed to think like an idiot but god's not allowing me to act like one anymore so i guess i'm getting a little bit better in some ways yeah well, part of it has to do with we're getting older and don't have the strength or capacity. <laughs> yeah that, that might have a lot <laughs> hey we're going out yep. mowing the lawn just just takes you out for the day you know you're kind of getting older <laughs> on, a, on a riding lawnmower yeah well i do get the other one out too and I, you know, <laughs> okay. around the edges yeah stick it stick it to them that's good no, yeah. i have a i have a i have a push mower with a rear bag and it's non-self-propelled oh my gosh you are a neander well of course it's a good workout it is it is actually um i'm kind of a glutton for punishment so I like that kind of stuff. So anytime you now, want you know, to fly out here and do this line, you're certainly welcome to. Well, I take pictures first. You know, what you, can, you know what you can work your way up to? You can work your way up to a non-motorized push mower. There's a man. There's somebody. Yeah. 
You know what I'm talking? You probably never even saw one of those. Or how about scissors? Just getting out of there and cutting it with scissors. Oh, now, come on. Let's say, uh, you know, that's <laughs> being, that's being just, just get an old sickle. No, I'm talking about, I, I was, when I was a kid, they still used push lawnmowers. They had, yeah, I know. all they had Real was, mowers. Wheels. Yeah. they had two, oh, yeah. they had a, 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 like a four blade rotary blade. Mm-hmm. And you push it with your own power. They did a good job. You know, how 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 well did that work? Tell it worked me. really as, well. As long as as long as you had sharp blades, you had to keep those blades sharp. Though, you hit a rock, forget it, man. You, you're gonna be you know uh, grinding those blades down. Did it? I mean, what if the grass is really long? Did it really struggle? Well, you get a good workout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> back right. a couple times back and forth to go through, but. Yeah, the the trick is you just don't let it go that way. You know, nobody wants yeah. to abuse themselves that bad. Right. Yeah, that okay. back in the old days, that's what they did. That was, yeah, good golly, I turned into my grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if gasoline was twenty three cents and cigarettes was twenty two cents. Yeah, I remember that. Gas might be twenty three cents again at this point, oh, but one of well, the listeners says get some sheep. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, of course you got to feed them, sucker. Well, no. Well, feed they eat the grass, but you know the thing is that, and it's good advice, but goats do a better job. Sheep just pull the grass right out of the ground and leave you okay. with uh, dirt. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but then, but then if you get um, if you get goats, they eat everything. If you have shingles on your house, they eat the side of your house off. They'll they'll strip the bark off all all the trees as far as they can reach up, and and uh, they eat everything. So you know, there's no perfect solution, but yeah, sheep or some kind of animal that would uh, maybe an alpaca or something would be a good thing. But um, actually, that's a good idea. I never thought about that. <laughs> Farmer, Farmer Dave, Farmer Dave. Huh? Well, the good thing about alpacas and stuff like that is you can you uh, you uh, shear them, you know, and you can get the wool, and then you can make stuff out of the wool. And it's a very fine wool. It makes a beautiful garment when you use it. So that and llamas. So well, you usually let, when you, you have know al- how that goes. When you have an alpaca, you have to have a llama because a llama can fight off a mountain lion, and an alpaca can't. So mm. uh, yeah. Anyway, little little story for you. We better get off of this thing. Oh, yeah, say, okay. say a prayer and say good night. <laughs> All right. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come before you, and I pray for our audience, Lord. Yes. We've uh, we've kind of put something out there about the two uh, 144,000. You can guys go to my website. Uh, there, I got an article on 144,000. It'll show you all the scriptures that prove that uh, it's it's you guys and not you know a bunch of male virgin Jews. But Lord, I just pray that I know you've already been speaking to many of them, and many of them maybe have already heard this and finally are, they're making a connection. But I pray, Lord, that you'll help them get all prepared for for being strong and powerful, led of your spirit. Lord, to be able to have the confidence to take a stand, a boldness, but a port, but above all, a balance and a discernment to be able to do it with mercy and grace, that we represent you as ambassadors, Lord, and that we be the Christ that, that nobody else has ever seen or understood. Lord, in these last days, that we cannot get caught up in politics, that we're not, before we're a representative of uh a left or right wing party or America, Lord, we are representing your kingdom in the last days of mankind's history. Help us to see that as our biggest reality. There is not much time left. We don't have that much time, maybe seven years. 
So, Lord, help us realize that we have to make value at this time. We have to be ready and prepared to do the job that you have called us to do. So I pray that everyone here will have a revelation, that they will have a personal encounter with you, that you will speak to them, confirm them, prepare them, equip them. If there's doubts, if there's things that they're not they're still struggling with, help them set, be set free. Help them be ready and prepared because you've seen the victory. You know it's there. So that obviously means that you have worked through all of us to accomplish that. So we just thank you and praise you for the healings, for the restorations, for the addictions, for all the things that were going to be broken out of our lives so that we can have total dedication and focus to you and serving you and being your servants. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys. Well, audience, thank you. We'll see you next Monday. And uh, everybody be blessed. You guys be blessed. Um, Health and peace and joy to everybody that listens to the show and participates in it. In Yeshua's or Jesus' name. So. Amen. Guys, have a uh, have a wonderful week. Okay, and we'll I'm sure we'll talk in the midst. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep, I I like our little thing that we have on Facebook. So you know we'll we'll keep each other informed. It'll be interesting. Yes, definitely.